Hello, and welcome to episode 59 of Killer Hangover. My name is Beth. And I'm Bettina. And this week, we have true crime and paranormal stories from the state of Idaho. I will be telling the true crime this week. And I've got the paranormal and the drink. So we also have our buddy Alex mm-hmm. join us again tonight. Again. Pitch drinker. Our pitch drinker. Again. And I wish you could see his face. Last week, Aiden stole the show. I'm sorry, but I think he is the favorited okay. drinker. So this will be so my last have, time doing this. No. So no. So do you have a funny joke? No. <laughs> like your son did? No, that's good. I mean, he may or may not have planned that with me beforehand. I made him plan it with you beforehand <laughs> because I was afraid of what kind of joke he would and come I haven't, up with. I, I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet, but I heard he kind of got to the punchline a little too quick. No? It's okay. He did a good job. <laughs> oh, I know. All right, so what are you guys yeah, what drinking, are we drinking this week? Because this smells so strong. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Why? Okay. Alex always gets the really good drinks. <laughs> I love my son-in-law. I really do. But he he probably thinks at this point that I want to handicap him or something. I, I know. don't know. Okay. But truly, what came up for the state of Idaho was whiskey sour. Okay. So... I can handle that. And Alex, I follow the recipe exactly. And it's garnished, which is cool. And I garnished it Mm -hmm. just for you. I'm pretty sure I know what's in a whiskey sour, but maybe I don't. I'm sure you can smell it. Yeah. (laughs) So in this one that I made is two ounces of bourbon, three-fourths ounce of fresh lemon juice, which I did squeeze the lemon. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Here we go. But I did not put more than three-fourths. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Um, three-fourths ounces of simple syrup, and I know that you didn't really like the lemon juice, so I put a little bit more simple syrup in yours. Okay. And then it calls for an orange wheel for the garnish. We didn't have the orange wheel, so I put little cute little tangerine pieces. Yes, very cute little tangerine pieces. <laughs> little cuties. I think it is cutie, right? They are cuties. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so I combined the bourbon, the lemon juice, and the simple mm-hmm. syrup in a mm-hmm. cocktail shaker. I shook that sucker up, and then I poured it in the glass. Let's do this, because it looks a little bit better than, you know, the last time I was on here. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. It's really good. Cereal, or are you just Yeah, no, that? it's it's very good. It's It's a lot more mild than it smells. It's actually really good. You can't really taste anything other than... Personally, I like whiskey sours. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty good. I don't have like cayenne pepper floating here. It's perfect. (laughs) You You don't have maple syrup on your hands. I mean... Lemon seeds floating. You take a good sniff of it. It's not too salty. But it it surprises me how not strong tasting it is. Because it does smell. Because it does smell. But it's very (laughs) good. Mm. Good. So you will be drinking that. I will. I will finish this. Wow. Great. Score. Well, speaking of score, let's see. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you that next. I I mean, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go in the... I'm going to go 7-1. Seven, 7-1? One. Seven, one. Yeah. I'm going to give it an 8. Oh, well, I don't know if it's that great. Sorry? I'm going to give it an 8? <laughs> I, I, but uh, the garnish. It, I was going to go in the 6s, but the garnish helped me out there. <laughs> Although... The presentation is... Much better than Dynamite. last time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very good, though. Thank you. And I heard Aiden's was awesome. Aiden's was good. Which, again, I, I believe did not have alcohol in it, right? No. No. Okay. No. <laughs> it's no, I... a mocktail. <laughs> it had a lot of sugar, and then I said, now go see your daddy. <laughs> yep. But he, he, he was telling me all about it. He loved it. It was pretty funny. Oh. But I just haven't listened to you. I feel bad, but. You got to support your son and my podcast. I guess your podcast as well. <laughs> Our well, since Aiden's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll just sit here and enjoy the story then while you guys go ahead. Yeah, get your butt out of that okay. chair, though. <laughs> I know that's my cue. Well, thank you. This was really good. Thank you. Yep. Thank See? you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All righty. I have another unsolved case for you, ladies and gentlemen, of Killer Hangover. Oh, yay. You know, we need a nickname for our listeners. Like, my favorite murder, they're called Murderinos. We need like a fun nickname for all of our listeners. Listeners, send in ideas. Hangover <laughs> No. What we should call you. Yeah, we want some ideas. Or we're going to go with hangover ease. 
<laughs> now my mind is going there and I need to concentrate on your story. Okay, sorry. I have another unsolved case for you. And I'm so sorry, but another case that has to do with a child. And I have to be honest, this was a really tricky case to research, but I knew I wanted to tell the story. Every article I read, there would be some little piece of evidence that was different or a new piece of evidence. Mm. And so then I'd have to like go track that down and see if there's fact to that. Gotcha. And I don't know if it's because this is a fairly newer case. It only happened five and a half years ago or because things have changed so much over time or what. But there's just so much different information. So I really spent a lot of time trying to just get the basic facts mm-hmm. or the majority of what I, you know what I mean? Like no, the majority exactly of, yeah. The, yeah. Okay. So I just want you all to know that if I, if you've heard this story before, if I'm missing something, I'm just really trying, I'm trying to do my best. Okay. I'll start this story by introducing the five main players in the story. The main person in our story is two-year-old Dior Kuntz Jr., a beautiful little smiley, blonde-haired, brown-eyed boy who lovingly went by little man by his family. Mm. Dior's dad was Vernal Dior Kuntz. We will call him Vernal in the story for so people don't get confused. The story gets crazy enough, so. Okay. So you have Dior, you have his dad, Vernal, and Vernal is engaged to Dior's mother, Jessica. Okay. Jessica Mitchell. Now, from what I understand in my research, Vernal worked driving a truck, I can't be certain, but Jessica was a nurse by trade, but she was staying home around this time. And from what I understand, she was staying home to care for her grandfather, Robert Walton, who went by Bob. Okay. He's a player in this as well. And from what I understand of Bob was that he was in pretty poor health and was on an oxygen tank. Mm-hmm. The other person in this story is Isaac Renwand, and he's a neighbor and a friend of Bob's. Okay. Okay. So all five live in Idaho Falls. It's July 2015. And when Vernal gets home from work, they all plan on driving out to Timber Creek Campground in Leodore. It's about two and a half hours away to go camping for the weekend. Vernal gets home from work. They take two trucks with two hook-on campers and they head that way. Mm -hmm. They arrive pretty late that evening. They set up camp a bit, but they basically just arrive and go to bed. The next day, they all wake up to a beautiful summer day to be filled with adventure. Bob, I guess, used to go out there and camp a lot and fish and everything as a boy. And he brought Jessica's parents out there, you know, brought Jessica out there. So he loved this area. So he was really excited to share this with Dior. Isaac, the neighbor, had never met Jessica or Vernal before or Dior. Mm -mm. So he was just friends with Bob and he was just kind of coming along with them. And, you know, he says that he woke up that morning to find Dior throwing things into the fire pit, you know, just being a two and a half year old, Mm -hmm. you know, being scolded by his father for doing so, you know, just a normal, happy, adventurous little boy. It's a beautiful day. Before the adventures and fishing begin, they all eat breakfast and then Vernal, Jessica and Dior head into Leodore, head into town to grab supplies for the weekend. All right. The three get back to camp. And Isaac wants to go fishing on his own. And Vernal and Jessica decide they want to go hike through the woods, up a couple paths and explore the area, leaving little Dior back at the campsite with With great grandpa Bob. Bob. Okay. A while passes and Vernal and Jessica come back and see Bob, but no Dior. They ask Bob, where's little man? And Bob's confused. Didn't Dior go with you? Oh, no. The three adults start searching for the two and a half year old little boy calling for him, circling the campground, and, I mean, just looking for this kid. Vernal actually heads straight to the creek looking for his son in fear that maybe he fell in the water. Right. Now, from what I understand, I read in a couple sources they searched for an hour, but most of my resources said that they searched for about 20 minutes, and when they couldn't find him, Vernal and Jessica jump in his truck and drive up the road to get service on their cell phone, Mm -hmm. and at 2.28 p.m. that Friday, July 10th, Jessica makes a desperate call to police that her little boy cannot be found. Oh, my gosh. Searchers are out there right away. Good. Looking for Dior. 
Jessica reported he was wearing oversized cowboy boots, a camouflage jacket, and pajama pants. Mm-hmm. Within hours, there are over 170 searchers out in the area, wow. including a helicopter that will continue to fly over into the dark evening hours. Jeez. The day comes and goes with no sign of little Dior. Saturday morning, searchers are out there again as soon as the sun is up on horseback, on ATVs, searching by foot in the forests and wading all the creeks and areas surrounding the campsite. They searched in bear caves. Wow. The idea that maybe a wild animal got the poor boy came and went. I mean, Bob or someone would have heard the child screaming Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I mean, he nobody would have gone silently with a bear or a wolf or anything else. And even if by chance a bear or a wild animal had gotten him, one of his little oversized boots could have fallen off or there would have, you know, unfortunately, there would have been blood that right. these searchers would have found. So can I ask you, is this a populated campground? Were there a lot of people there or was it? No, I mean, it's a pretty large campground, a lot of woods and, mm-hmm. you know, everybody was search but no it's not like a crazy tons of trailers back to back it's pretty secluded where they were okay another thing to mention is that there is one road leading into and out of the campsite so the idea of a kidnapping was hard to believe because no one heard a vehicle come out that way that afternoon so vernal bob jessica isaac nobody heard a vehicle coming near their campsite or even leaving their campsite okay And a kidnapping by foot, uh, that's not really an ideal situation. I mean, I guess it is possible, but I don't know. Again, it just, I don't know. It makes sense. Right. right. It's pretty far from a main road. And where would your vehicle be? It's a a little tough. So if he did just wander off, well, he's two and a half. With the time frame that the investigators are given, he wouldn't have wandered more than two miles maybe away from the campsite. Mm Mm-hmm. So they kind of start in that thought process, circling the campsite and working their way out. Over 200 volunteers were out there searching for this poor child. Wow. But what's weird is that on Sunday, so basically only after a day and a half of searching, police suspend all volunteer searchers. They clarified this by saying that with the rough terrain and all these people out there searching bear caves and whatnot... They couldn't be responsible for any accidents while searching for Dior. And they just can't keep track of all these 200 people, people while doing an investigation. You know, that's, that's a lot. Plus, maybe they're trampling on evidence. If right. There is... Can you trust these searchers, too? So they clear and, and there was, they got a lot of flack for that in the media for. Oh, I'm sure they did. For calling off volunteer people searches. People just and, trying to help. And they had to justify, like, we're not ending the search. We are still searching. But having all these people out here is probably more dangerous for the investigation. So now it's just the police out there searching. And I can't be for certain when, if it was Saturday or Sunday. But one of those days, cadaver dogs were brought out. Tracking dogs were brought out to the search. And they kept leading their handlers to Stone Reservoir. They would track Dior's movements and they kept getting fixated on the reservoir after that happened many times eventually on tuesday they had dive crews out there searching the stone reservoir it was about a quarter mile from where the family had set up camp okay the water is pretty shallow though it's not a terribly large body of water on without a trace from the east idaho news the reporter claimed that he could walk across it and it still wouldn't cover his head So it's not, so they had divers out there and they searched it, but this isn't like some huge reservoir. Right. It could probably all be decently searched. Deep for a, for a little guy. Yeah, sure. But it'd be easy to find a body in there. Upon further investigation, they actually find, I guess this isn't funny. I'm sorry. That someone had been out to the reservoir and had dumped human cremains out there, like scattered ashes. Oh. They weren't, this isn't like, I don't think it's anything like, sinister i think oh, that it's just somebody wanted their ashes spread in the lake because they at the reservoir the lake. Okay. it's not even a lake like it's a small okay, but somebody small wanted their ashes yes spread there. okay yes they weren't for sure when this was done if it had been done like a long time ago but the dogs were so that's, that's what, the what dogs, they're tracking i mean that's so that's what, what the dogs were picking up yeah i mean that's technically what they're trained to 
track. That, isn't that crazy when you think about it? Human remains. Yeah. It's that they could even pick up ashes. Wow. But this also puts a lot of questions on the police. It's a huge area they're searching. They thought they had locked things down enough for the search, but apparently not. If someone came in and sprinkled their friend or their family's ashes, if it was done recently, and they had spent so much time following this lead out at Stone Reservoir, it was wasted time they could have spent looking for Dior. And they were feeling really guilty about this. I am not attacking the police in, in this case at all. I think no, they're doing because the a great job. kept going there. But and- it just kind of stinks because it was like two days wasted of searching out at the reservoir when it was cremation. So nothing is found of little man anywhere. The family remained camped out there during the entire search. Mm-hmm. I think um, Vernal's birthday came and went and he still just stayed camped out there at the campground. A candlelight vigil was had for the family and for baby Dior. It's just heartbreaking to see. The couple gives their first interview three or four days after Dior went missing, believing that Dior was kidnapped and just begging for their child to be returned to them. By Thursday, almost a week since Dior went missing, the national media started covering the case as well. The story was on Nancy Grace and other large media resources. Mm -hmm. People start calling in sightings, like a man was seen buying diapers at a Walmart about a little over like 100 miles away from the campground with a little boy about two and a half with blonde hair, brown eyes. The cashier calls the police Wow. But and investigators do track this guy down. I mean, okay. they yeah, they kind of have to. They, yeah, and but they do. Oh, I'm just gonna say they do a great job tracking down anybody in this case. Any leads? It's crazy. Yeah. But they find the it's not Dior. The search continues. Ten days of searching and nothing is discovered. So is Bob and Isaac? Mm-hmm. Are they still out there too? Bob has oxygen. So is he? I don't think so. I think it's just left. the parents. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ten days of searching and nothing is discovered. And then the FBI joins the investigation to come help aid the search. A month after Dior goes missing, the family gets an offer from a retired U.S. Marshal, Frank Vilt. And he wants to help and conduct his own private investigation with the family. Frank was from Montpelier. And in his career up to this point, he had found 19 children and successfully returned them to their families. Wow. According to the Idaho State Journal. When he heard about this case, he really wanted to help the family. Yeah. He agreed with the family and really believed that Dior had been kidnapped. The theories of animals or even the child drowning or being lost in the woods was starting to falter with no findings of the boy out near the campsite. And one thing that Jessica told Frank and his team really made them look into a kidnapped theory. Jessica said that while at the general store in town, that Friday morning, remember when they got to town, they, three of them went. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. There was a man at the store that really made her feel uncomfortable. She said that he was staring at Dior, staring in a way that made her feel just wrong. Mm-hmm. She described the man as an older man in his late 50s with long white hair that slightly curled at the ends. And then he drove a black Jeep. According to Crime Junkie podcast, investigators received a call from a woman as well, who also claimed to have seen a man with very similar characteristics, driving a black Jeep and all, out hiking with her young sons around Dior's age. And she, too, was super freaked out by this guy. Oh. With all of this information, they start looking for their suspect and looking at the case as more of a kidnapping. So this guy is now a suspect. Eventually, this man, too, is tracked down and found. He was a friend of the manager of the general store. He is brought in for questioning, but he has a very strong alibi and, interestingly enough, was never at the general store at all the day that Dior and his family were in there. Frank was good, and he wanted more tips like this to come forward for answers, even if these suspects didn't become a good lead. He wants suspects like he wants to fill in these, you know, answer these questions he has. I know, but I'm so confused right now. Just wait. (laughs) He wanted the family to do more interviews and get more media attention for the case. Mm -hmm. The family didn't really like that idea. They didn't like going as public as Frank liked. They were cooperating with police and the investigation. They even did polygraphs, many polygraph tests. 
But even though they didn't want to do the interview, Frank did it himself. He started his own tip line, a public tip line, and he hung posters. There's a billboard. Tips from all over the world started coming in, which is good. I mean, I know that seems a little daunting, like all these tips, but at least it's something for him to work with here. Mm -hmm. Then in September, social media goes crazy with a photo. So I'm going to send you two pictures here. The first I'm going to send you is little Dior. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to send you a side by side. Oh, oh my goodness. So the internet goes crazy with the picture on the right there of the little boy on the phone. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, honestly, they look very, I mean, it's crazy. Their nose shape is the same. Their eyes are the same. Mm-hmm. Little blonde boy, brown eyes. So this little boy is found abandoned or wandering i'm not exactly sure but he was left alone in stanton california the little boy on the phone Mm -hmm. the stanton police department issued a statement saying quote missing child found at motel six in stanton california two to three years of age brown eyes blonde hair about 30 35 pounds doesn't talk much if any information on who might know this child please contact stanton pd asap Investigators in Idaho on Dior's case, of course, follow up on this little boy. Mm -hmm. But yet again, this is not Dior. Mm -mm. The child's mother had been looking for him. Apparently, he had wandered away. This little boy had a happy story and went home safely. Mm -hmm. So here's where things start to get a little strange in this case. All of a sudden, in September 2015, out of the blue, Frank Vilt, the family's private investigator, quits. What? He sends his formal resignation resignation letter to the family and quits he had only worked with the family for six weeks that's it Mm -hmm. police aren't sure why and find it odd but the search must continue i mean they don't they didn't hire him so the search has to continue the family continues their own search as well and hire another private investigator philip klein it is now late fall and police as well as Klein and his team need to continue and work hard on any more searches of the forest and the campsites before winter and any Comes. snow moves in. Yeah. Unfortunately, nothing is found. The winter moves in and halts any searches. And the whole search is totally changed when Frank Vilt comes back into the picture. What? In January of 2016. So he quit in September 2015. Mm-hmm. But then in January of 2016, he releases his resignation letter that he wrote to the family, to the public. Okay. I am going to read to you the entire letter. Dear Dior and Jessica, remember Vernal's name was Dior. So, Mm -hmm. As I previously informed you today via my text to your cellular telephone at 8.31 a.m., I am withdrawing from the investigation because of circumstances beyond my control including but not limited to a breach of trust on your part concerning your refusal to allow me to make this case national. I am perplexed as to why you did not want me to advertise the $20,000 reward. I was willing to put up personal funds in the hopes that the public could provide information leading to the whereabouts of your son. When I agreed to assist you, I informed you that I would work for my out-of-pocket expenses. I was willing to forego my normal hourly fee. My stipulation was that both of you would be absolute truthful. Mm -hmm. I told both of you that if I felt that you were not telling the truth, stalling me or otherwise misleading me, that I would withdraw from the investigation. In my professional opinion, both of you lied and misrepresented the true facts that could solve the mystery of your missing son. There are other aspects of this case that I cannot go into at this time, but simply put, I believe that the searchers will all be non-productive. Oh my Their gosh. searches are only used by you to cover a possible crime that one or both of you may have committed. My suggestion is that you fully cooperate with the Lemhi County Sheriff and tell the truth. I do not appreciate the fact that one or both of you are spreading rumors that you have paid me. I have not received reimbursement to cover my expenses. I also feel that you are exploiting the public for financial gain. How can you live with yourselves? Wow. Sooner or later, the truth will come out. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden, I respect this guy. (laughs) I didn't, and now I do. Totally. Boy, he called him him on it. 
From here, the case starts to totally make a turnaround. Mm -hmm. Philip Klein, the current PI working for the family, he's turning over all of his information and he's working very closely with the police. And he, too, is starting to get swayed in the direction that the parents had something to do with missing Dior. He goes to the family with the largest piece of evidence that sways him in this direction, and that is the polygraph tests. Jessica and Vernal had taken multiple polygraph tests. Right, you said that. Vernal would pass along to the team that the tests were inconclusive. Looking into it, though, Klein and his team found that they were inconclusive. Fails. Oh. They failed every single time. What? He addresses the family with these thoughts and instantly he is fired. Interestingly enough, he is kept on the case by an anonymous relative paying his fees. Oh my gosh. It seems Jessica and Vernal had not been truthful from the start of the investigation. And because of that, on January 25th, 2016, both are named suspects in the case. I mean, Mom, there's and Bob's stories changed so much over time. So Bob's story is changing, too. It's not just the parents. Yes. And, and so Isaac was gone that day. He was fishing by himself. Mm -hmm. Well, was he? Not that I don't trust him. His story stayed the same the entire time. Okay. He's the only one that police actually believe at the end of all this. Bob's and the parents' stories have changed so much over time. Police have ruled the friend Isaac out. Okay. I mean, they got caught in the most random lies. On the episode of Crime Junkie that covered this case, she gives some examples of the change in stories and even some odd stories the couple share, like... Vernal told police that while they were at the general store that day, Dior got really excited about a delivery truck. And the delivery man was really nice. And he even took Dior to sit in his truck. This is what Vernal told police. Okay. Police and investigators find this delivery guy. Right. And he's like, I have no idea what, what you're, you're talking, talking about. about. Oh. I don't remember talking to a kid that day, let alone letting him come and sit in my truck. I mean, that's against company policy to have anyone, let alone a kid, sit in my truck. That's why that white haired dude doesn't make sense. He exactly. wasn't even in the grocery store. But why lie about that on either end? Why would the truck driver lie about that? Because it doesn't make any and sense. And why would Vernal even lie about that, though? Because it doesn't make sense. Unless they thought that he wouldn't be able to track down the truck driver. Oh. But... They knew what day they were there. If there was a delivery done, they could track that. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Jessica told investigators about a guy who was working at a feed store and was playing with Dior while they were parked filling up gas. Again, police find this guy and he's like, I'm sorry, but I don't remember playing with a kid. It's just such weird things to lie about. I read in one resource that the whole reason the three, Jessica, Vernal, and Dior, went into town was because Jessica needed camping supplies and food, but most importantly, she needed tampons. So this is the little investigator in me. And I know a lot of people aren't like me or Monica Geller. And yes, that's a friend's reference, but I am a planner to a T. If I know I'm going camping, I will have prepared for that trip and gotten all of my necessities prepared for me and my child I don't really like pack for Alex by any means, but I still have a checklist for him at least. <laughs> you would have supplies with you. Beforehand. I'm not just going to go in my camper and not have anything and then have to go to town to get stuff. I mean, maybe a couple little things here and there, but especially if I know it's going to be that time of the month and I'm going camping, you'd need to know you had necessary supplies for that. Am I right? Like, yeah, but some people don't. Some people do go to the store right after they, they pitch the tent or, you know, hook up the trailer or whatever. I know, but something like your time of the month. Maybe it wasn't. You're going camping. Maybe it You have came to think about early. sanitary ways to get know. away, oh, like throw things away and everything. Maybe it came early. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's a lie. But in that same article, Jessica supposedly said that Vernal wanted to go to every store there before the general store to get the necessities. The whole reason they went into town was necessities. But he wanted to go into every store before they went to the general store. I almost I found that really interesting, too, because it's like he's creating an alibi that the three of them were there. Yeah, everyone saw them. Mm -hmm. 
You know how I mentioned in the beginning that little things were different in different articles and such? Another thing that was different was the whole timeline. What I told you all was that what was shared in most of the media stories, that they went to the general store in town, came back, Isaac went, Isaac went fishing by himself, and Jessica and Vernal went off hiking, and Dior stayed back with great-grandpa Bob. Mm-hmm. Well, in other interviews and stories, it said that Isaac wanted to go fishing, and Bob wanted him to show Jessica the fishing hole. So Isaac and Jessica went off to the fishing hole, Vernal went off hiking by himself, and Bob watched, or didn't watch, I guess, Dior. Bob even stated in People Magazine article that Dior was playing next to him when they all went fishing. When they all went fishing. But hold on. The whole original story was that he thought Dior went with his parents. Right. So why is he telling People Magazine that Dior was playing right next to him when they all went off to do their own little adventures? And I know Bob was older, but that's not kind of something the age would forget. Like maybe he'd forget that they were playing by the fire pit or if they were playing by the camper, but you wouldn't forget. He didn't have dementia. Right. Like he wouldn't forget that the parents asked him to keep an eye on him. Right. Like, right. And I don't know about you, but I don't think if you were on an oxygen tank and we were out at some campground, I'd be like, here, mom, watch Nolan. <laughs> I'm sorry, but a no. busybody little two and a half year old here. You watch him and while... drag your oxygen tank along with you while he goes running into the woods. I mean, maybe Grandpa Bob watched your other occasions. So maybe they really did trust him. Who am I to judge any parenting? Yeah, but still out in the woods. I know I that struck me as weird right away. But all of these inconsistencies, lies, and change in timeline. I mean, remember what I told you. Jessica claimed Dior was wearing oversized cowboy boots, mm-hmm. a camouflage jacket, and pajama mm-hmm. pants. Right. But police found these items at the family home. Huh? And she was claiming weird things like he doesn't go anywhere without his blankie or a sippy cup. And, and like she couldn't even say where those items were. And... Nolan does not go anywhere without Night Night. Like, he just doesn't. But I can always tell you where Night Night is. I can tell you that he left it Night Night in the car or he left Night Night on the couch. Like, I, I don't know. But if he had those things with him, then she wouldn't know where they were. She had them, though. The she interview. had them? Mm-hmm. Over the years, the couple had sued. They sued Philip Klein for his comments he had made to the media outlets about them. That they were, he claimed that, you know, there's inconsistencies in the stories, but those charges were eventually dropped. I mean, they are suspects. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the couple has separated. From what I understand, Vernal took a job as a truck driver in another state and Jessica went off and she got engaged and got married to another guy. Now, another thing that Klein has released to the public was that Jessica herself told Klein and his team that she knows where the body is. What? But that's all she said. And Bob disclosed that he doesn't rule out the possibility that an accident could have happened out there at the campsite. The search for little Dior still continues at Timber Creek Campground. In June of 2019, they actually discovered a bone that they were really excited about finding. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously no one wants Dior to be dead, but everyone just wants answers or closure. Mm -hmm. Sure. But unfortunately, the bone proved to be animal bone. And with all this searching and all this pain, the community has really come together in searching for this little boy. They all just really care for this little boy. His parents remain free to this day. They are still suspects, but they remain free. They have no evidence. Against There's no them. real evidence otherwise. Bob eventually refused to talk publicly about the case. Now, you can find this interesting because either he had slipped up so many times and they were mad. And so they told him, you just need to just stop. Shut up. <laughs> or playing devil's advocate here. They really are innocent and they don't need the extra stress and change in statements from great grandpa Bob to confuse things. But aren't they changing their statements, too? Yeah, but, you know, not as much as him. But or? that's the thing is, like, is Bob innocent or is Bob in on it? So it's probably best leaving Vernal and Jessica out of it. The other family members are probably like, Grandpa Bob, you need to stop. Because if you really have nothing to do with this, you're just making yourself look bad. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or did Grandpa Bob have something to do with it? Bob has passed away. And like I said, the friend Isaac story has been consistent since the beginning. 
Police as well as Philip Klein have remarked that the case is now being looked at as a homicide case. Either there was an accident or something, but that is unfortunately how the case is being treated now. At the end of the day, the real victim in all of this is little man, little Dior. He would be eight today. And the FBI have released an age progression photo of him. I will will post our social media and our website. But more information and more evidence is needed before they discover any real answers. So there are so many theories. Gosh, Reddit is like a black hole on this case. You know, some people think that Vernal sold Dior. Oh, no. Maybe an accident happened. And there was even questions, too, of when they went to town, if something happened when they came back. Did little Dior even come back with them? He he was obviously there at the campsite because the dogs did track him mm-hmm. at the campsite. But then he's gone because I don't know if he even went any further than the, the campsite. campsite. Unless the some bird picked him up. No. The dogs couldn't track him. So another theory is that they all three, Bob, Vernal, and Jessica, did have something to do with it. Sold him or not. They knew about maybe some kidnapping or something and... They say they didn't hear a truck come in or a car come in down the road to the campground. But if they had something to do with it, why would they say they heard a car? Wow. Sounds to me like there was an accident. Mm -hmm. And the little boy died and they covered it up. Which is so frustrating for the other family members. Do you know the relationship between everybody before the camping incident? I mean, was there any signs of abuse or? From what I understand, no. Jessica did have two other sons. But honestly, from what I understand, I didn't read any stress about money or, I mean, he was very loved and cared for. Yes. Which does lead me to think that there was an accident. accident. Me too. But why cover it up unless you're. I mean, really let yourself heal. Yeah, you got to let yourself heal. And I I just, I don't know. But they're they're separated now. They're not even together. And they're still not necessarily pointing fingers at one another. Yes. Or maybe they did go on a walk and they did leave little man with Bob. And there was an accident while he was with Bob. And they, you know, didn't want Bob to get. Jeez. Yeah. It's really, really, really quite sad. God, that's 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 a story only God will know because mm-hmm. he can't even find the body of the little boy. There is absolutely nothing, not a boot, not a jacket. I mean, all this stuff was found at the house. But even if she just thought he was wearing that and was wearing something else, there's still no shoes, no no blood. If there was an accident, no little body. I mean, there's a creek, but that's not like some rushing river that's going to move his body far away like. It's been five and a half years. Mm. Pretty crazy. Pretty terrible story. Thank you. I'd say it's time for you to lighten things up, Mom. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to do that. Oh, great. You always say that. Next time I'm going to be like, Mom, my story is really dark. You need to find something (laughs) with some comic relief, please. Oh. All right. So I'm going to tell two stories. Okay. I'm ready. The first one is about a hospital. Great. In 1912, American Falls Hospital opened its doors. It was run by sisters from the Bethany Deaconess Hospital in Kansas. Oh. However, the sisters were called back to Kansas and the hospital was given over to Power County Commissioners. In 1961, the hospital had 18 nursing home beds and 16 hospital beds, with room to expand to 60 beds. The hospital boasted of its very unique at the time, heating system that ran throughout the hospital. Electrical wires were woven into the ceilings of the rooms and small radiation boxes in the hallways. So this was a new idea. Wow. It was most likely the only hospital in the West heated entirely by electricity. Oh, in the early 1980s, the hospital's name was changed to Harms Medical Hospital in honor of Dr. Frank Harms who served in the hospital from 1940 to 1980. It was reported that during his tenure, he delivered nearly 3,000 babies. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) That's a lot of babies. Dr. Harms was forced to retire in 1980 after suffering a mild heart attack. Mm. And that's when the hospital changed names and it was changed to the Harms Memorial. 
Oh, okay. I thought they were going to like totally change the name. And I'm like, Again. well, that's just All rude. Right. They're forcing him to retire. And then they're, and they're totally taking the name. changing the name of the hospital. <laughs> Dr. Harms did die in March of the next year of a massive heart attack. Oh, shoot. The hospital has undergone many renovations and updates. $14 million worth. Oh, as wow. Of fact. And in the spring of 2010, the board of trustees changed the name of the hospital. <laughs> Back to Power County Hospital. Oh, man, they really did change the hospital. In addition, there is also the Power County Family Clinic, Power County Physical Therapy, and Power County Skilled Nursing Facility. Oh, they really renovated this place. Okay. A little more than 60 beds there now. Wow. (laughs) What does that have to do with the paranormal? Yeah. Well, I was just following along. (laughs) I visited many sites to research this, and they all said the same thing. Exactly the same thing thing and that's odd yeah compared to the story that i just researched and shared (laughs) with y'all yes that is very odd well you don't you know you come across different stories and of course whatever but not this time it is not uncommon for call buzzers to go off these can come from unoccupied rooms or from occupied rooms with patients who are either immobile or too weak to press the buttons the staff oh also has reported seeing the ghosts of patients who have died in the hospital. Not a long time ago, but these patients had passed away only like months earlier. That's so... I, I was actually just thinking about this because like we hear about hauntings of all these women in their white dresses or, or people in like period clothing. Right. But right. it's like I don't hear about any recent disco but. hauntings or even like, you know, 20 cent. I don't know. I don't hear about any recent ghosts that often. Well, you do now. So these were ghosts. Of, I mean, the spirits of people who had just recently died. Weird. These reports are not only one or two. These spirits are seen quite frequently. So they like stick around? I think they like pass down the halls for a while and then they're gone. Wow. So and I don't know how many people die. Right. You know, per month or whatever. But it is a hospital. A full bodied apparition of a doctor had also frequently been reported along with the smell of cigar smoke as the apparition passes by. <laughs> now, Dr. Harms smoked pipe all the time. Okay. Um, did he smoke cigars? Nobody could really answer that, but probably he did because he smoked a pipe. Okay. So maybe they think it's Dr. Harms. Maybe they don't understand the different smells between a pipe and a cigar. Yeah, there's. But by far, the story of the tall man, a spirit who is regularly seen watching over both staff and patients. The tall man is most frequently seen standing at the main entrance as if watching the coming and going of staff and patients and making sure the hospital is running as it should. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have on the Power County Hospital. But this research led me to wonder about hospitals. Okay. Okay. And seeing that I've just recently been in one for four days, I thought <laughs> that probably brought me even closer to the idea but anyway i mean tragedy and death happens all the time at hospitals okay yeah unfortunately yes and no i did not experience anything during my recent hospital stay except for an awesome nursing staff and my wonderful doctor who took the time even after a full day of surgery to come by to see how i was doing yes i'm going to give a shout out again to Dr. Holding because I respect that doctor so much. She performs surgeries several times a week. Mine was about seven hours long. So she's on her feet all the time. When she isn't doing that, she is seeing patients at her office and I don't mean one or two. She's moving from one room to the next, but always with a smile, a kind word, and time to answer any questions. Then she goes home to an active not yet one-year-old. Oh, no. I didn't know that. Oh, girlfriend, you live on tons of caffeine or what? Blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. Anyway. She's a saint. So I just had to mention that. Really impressed with no, everything. She was awesome. So moving on, I talked to Katie, <laughs> my daughter, Beth's sister, who's an ER doc. And I asked her if she had had any unexplained experiences or if she had heard the nurses talking about any. Mm -hmm. Now, let me preface this by saying that Katie is a very level-headed girl. She's very opposite from me. (laughs) And I think the uh, sixth sense thing kind of skipped her by. (laughs) Okay. So 
we were talking and I said something about all the tragedy that happens in the ER and maybe it wouldn't be unusual to see a spirit walking down the hall or standing at the end of the hall, right? Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're talking gunshot wounds and stabbings and horrible, horrible deaths. (laughs) And her reply was, Mom, it gets so crazy in the ER that it would be hard to distinguish that was a ghost standing at the end of the hall or a patient that just escaped from the room. (laughs) You know what's crazy is that there's actually like, I don't know why I just re-downloaded TikTok, but I did. And there's like a whole TikTok thing of doctors or nurses that have experienced paranormal that I actually like stumbled upon. And I have no idea how. Weird. That's just really, really, really weird. I'm talking about just re-downloaded TikTok and I, I did it because there's a bunch of paranormal stuff on there and I wanted to kind of get like new and fresh ideas right and I stumbled upon like all these nurses and doctors that talked about paranormal stuff or like weird things or situations that have happened in rooms and like they got a code there's one where like she got a code to a room but the room was like totally empty Empty. so that's just really weird that that's what this is about (laughs) because anyway go on I'm so sorry so then (laughs) Katie Katie added that she definitely has seen patients that could have been possessed oh but that was probably drugs that was probably the PCP they were on (laughs) (laughs) well that's not funny we should be laughing at drugs so yep our Katie keeps us grounded that's for sure yes she does My sweet, sweet girl. So I would like to share my experience at a hospital that was very much unexplained. Talking about hospitals. So this is my experience, but not this recent stay, obviously. This was a while ago. So this was when my mother was in the hospital and she was dying of cancer and she refused any life-saving treatments. Mm -hmm. She had progressed pretty far. So she was in the hospital and I came to visit her and she kept saying, um, uh, now my mother was German, so she had a heavy accent. So she'd say, Bettina, shut the light off. There's a light. I keep telling the nurses to... (laughs) The nurses, I keep telling you, the dumb nurses, they need to turn off the light. And I'm like, there's no light on this in this room. <laughs> and she goes, it's right there. It's right there. And it was like on the left side. She kept pointing on the left side of her face. Mm-hmm. And she goes, she goes, I look over there. And her eyes are like almost straining out of her head, you know. And she goes, I see the light. Oh. <laughs> was, and she was like, it's bright. Turn off the light. And there was no light there at all. It oh, was bizarre. like. Okay. And it was no place else but on the left side of her. How interesting. And then she did, you know, like there was one day I walked in and and, and I've heard of this before from other recounts, I guess. She kept looking up at the ceiling and then she said in German, she said, I see everyone. And she says, I see my my aunts and I see my mother and I see mom you're gonna make me cry and I see everyone and she was naming them you know and she said they're all up there they're all up there waiting and she was looking up at the ceiling like she could actually see these people Mm. it was just but I've heard of people doing that before okay so those were the stories of my mother but I am visiting her as I did every day. I spend a lot of time at the hospital and she had her friend Linda come from Salt Lake to visit her. Very good friend, dear friend. And Linda was staying in the hospital room. So mom is in the bed. I'm sitting on one side of the bed. I've got to I've got to position this for you so that you understand what I tell you about it. So I'm sitting on the right side of her bed. Okay. On the dark side of her bed? No, the right side of her bed. I know, but yeah, the light was the light. on the left She side. wasn't seeing lights anymore. <laughs> Linda's not sitting on the bed, but she's sitting on, you know, one of the chairs that they have mm-hmm. in the hospital room. And she's facing us. Okay. Where I'm sitting, there's the, you know, how some uh, hospital rooms have a kind of a hallway, a short hallway where the bathroom is. Yeah. And we're, you know... They walk into the room. Mm -hmm. So they don't walk into the room itself right away. It's kind of a hallway. Okay. As you know, I'm Catholic. So my mother and I, I would pray the rosary with her every night before I left. So that night we were praying the rosary. We were almost to the end of it. And I saw from my peripheral on my left side, it wasn't a light. (laughs) Actually, I saw someone walking to the room. But I couldn't distinguish who it was, okay? But I know somebody walked into the room. To me, it was a man. Okay. And then they walked out. 
to me it was they heard us praying they didn't want to disrupt us and so they turned around and walked out okay so then we finished our prayer and I turned to Linda and I said who was that was that a nurse or an orderly or who walked into the room and what did they want is it time for mom's medication or whatever Mm -hmm. and Linda said nobody walked into the room and I was just like yeah, they did. I, I, not into the room, Linda, but they walked into, you know, they stopped right there in the doorway. Come and on, turn, Linda. And turned around, you know, <laughs> come on. Did you, were you sleeping? I mean, you know, we were praying here, but were you sleeping? And she said, Bettina, nobody walked in. And then when I got to thinking about it, it was like, there was no, I, I couldn't describe what it was to you mm-hmm. because it was almost like a black shadow. That's eerie. There was there was no nurse's outfit or right. or there was it was almost like a black shadow, but it wasn't scary. Mm-hmm. I wasn't scared. I it was to me there was somebody coming in to help, mm-hmm. but they saw we were praying and they turned around and walked away. Weird to me. I don't know. Of course, I'm guessing here. Maybe it's my Catholic talking to me. It was St. Michael coming to perhaps to get my mother, but deciding it wasn't quite time yet. She did pass on like two or three days after that. Weird. That was just because it was real. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was definitely real. I saw someone walk into that room. That's When crazy. no one walked into the room. I don't know if you've ever told me that story. Yeah, it was. That was weird. True story. <laughs> so... Okay, so I told you I had two. Okay. And this one was interesting. While I was researching paranormal activity in Idaho, yes, of course, there was the penitentiary that Ghost Adventures went to. Of course. And of course, I was tempted. Very tempted. (laughs) Gave me an excuse to watch the episode. Didn't go there. There's the university that's haunted, the bars, the hotels, the cemeteries, etc. But then I came across a legend that was quite different. Plus, I knew it would freak you out. No, gosh, no. (laughs) So, in Idaho, you will find the... The Catman? Yes. No, I'm kidding. Oh, gosh. I almost got up and walked out. (laughs) You're on your own. Tell your story to the dogs. You will find the (laughs) Owyhee Mountains. And yes, that sounds like Hawaiian. Yes. But one source said that they were definitely named after the Hawaiian Islands. That's neat. Interesting, but... In Idaho. This is where the Shoshone and Bannock Native American Indian tribes lived, hunting and fishing in this area full of abundant wildlife. Today, it is a popular destination for hikers and travelers because of the beauty of the area. Silver City Range, which sits below the Owyhee Mountains, was once a thriving gold and silver mining area. A little side note here, the Owyhee Mountain area is home to some of the largest ghost towns in the U.S. Really? Yeah. Weird, huh? That is weird. Visiting and hiking the Owyhee Mountain area may be exhilarating, but let me tell you a little, and I do mean little, about two feet high to be exact, legend. What? When the white settlers came to the area, they were a little befuddled that there were certain areas of the Waihi Mountains that the Indian tribes would not go into. The area looked rich with wildlife. In fact, it looked no different than the rest of the mountain range. Then the settlers began to experience strange things themselves and finally understood why no one went into this area. They would hear unexplained singing and voices echoing in the mountains. Ooh. Were those the sounds of lost miners? Then there was the tale of the white horse. No, not a knight on a white horse. <laughs> just a white horse. That appeared when somebody was lost or found themselves in danger in well, the that's woods. That's so scary. The horse would lead the lost to safety, and when they searched, the horse was gone. Oh. The settlers also noticed lights at the top of the mountain peak. On the left side? Sorry. No, that was my mother. That was the hospital. We're talking about the Owyhee Mountains now. But the lights would disappear when they got close. But what they did find was tiny footprints in the mud or the snow. According to the legend, little dwarves lived in the Owyhee Mountains. Seven of them? They stood. No, there were more. (laughs) 
Oh, God. They this is really creeping me stood out. two feet tall and wrapped their long tails around their bodies. Oh, and by the way, did I mention they were cannibalistic? Uh. They were strong enough to carry a deer and carry it back to their lair. But their favorite cuisine was little children. Okay. Hansel and Gretel over here. They would lure the children. It sounds like a little like the Pied Piper to me. Except he drowned the children. They ate them. So <laughs> What's the difference? <laughs> so just beware, present day hikers and climbers. The cute little gnomes, which I happen to love. And Aiden will attest to that. He knows. Love yeah, gnomes. yeah. Loves these cute little gnomes <laughs> that people have in their backyards. Yes, I do have a few. Not like hundreds. I have a few. More than seven. I repeat, they are not the same little gnomes that live in the backyards. These are dwarves that live in the Owyhee Mountains that you don't want to get close to. I don't like that story. I know you wouldn't. The end. I mean, there's no picture of that, but they're these little, if you picture these little dwarves and they have these long tails and they wrap them like around. Cats. They wrap them around themselves so that they don't look as scary. And they have these long, sharp teeth. They that probably they do. Eat you with. They probably do in long claws because they have to kill the deer okay. somehow. Moving on. Next week. <laughs> what a stupid story to end on, Mom. <laughs> Ugh. I knew it would bother you. Sweetheart, it's a legend. Legends are based on some truth. Yeah, like little gnomes. That's probably where Snow White lives. They didn't eat deer, though. The deer helped them clean. Okay, so I saw this comic. Snow White's walking into this little house. So she was walking into the front, and there's this big python going out the back, and it's got seven humps. Sorry. That's not funny. That's weird. I have a really sick sense of humor sometimes. But you had to look at it Are you to figure delusional figu- right now? No, That's you weird. had to look at it to like, what is even going on here? And then you notice Snow White and it's like, oh, he ate the seven dwarfs. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, what is going on here? What was in your drink? Obviously not enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Moving on. No, but seriously, next week, <laughs> we're going to do something fun because it's episode 60. 60. We're going to venture. Mm-hmm. We're going to go the outback. Yeah, we thought we like the whole same place, different time thing. We, we do. But we've gotten a lot of listeners in other countries now. And especially because of our awesome Patreon member and listener, Keely. She recommended us and gave an awesome kind of like a review that they read of our podcast in the podcast Bloody Murder. That's right. Which is in Australia. And it's a big one in Australia. It is. We've got a lot of awesome Australian listeners now. Yes. Welcome. So exciting. Welcome, Hangover Ease. Okay, it's just not working. You guys got to come up with something. It's totally not working for me. Crickets. We'll come up with something. Okay, so anyway, welcome. (laughs) And they're turning us off now. We're going to cover a true crime and paranormal story from Australia. If you are one of the other 30 countries that listen to us, welcome to you as well. Shoot us some ideas for other countries, too. Yeah. Every 10th episode, we will start to cover other countries, and maybe we'll start working those in every other episode, too. Yeah, it'll be fun. be fun. We'll kind of venture out of the United States. Yeah, we've done all 50 states. We so have. We've had some requests, though, so we'll have to go back and... But just keep sending and, any requests mm-hmm. and keep sending us your personal stories. Every seventh of the month, we will do a listener's episode, and we want to hear your stories. It's so much fun to read these stories that it could be something like mom's that she just shared about grandmama. It could be something sentimental. It could be something really spooky. Please nothing about cat men. Or, or dwarves gnomes. eating children. <laughs> Bless America. So yeah, email us your stories at killerhangoverpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can find a link where you can message stories on our website, which is where we will post pictures of little Dior and, and everything like that too. And our website is www.killerhangover.wordpress.com. We got a few new patrons. 
We did. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. You guys, this podcast is brought to you by our patrons. You guys literally sponsor our podcast and the beverages and the time we put into the research. And we really, really appreciate it. And mom mentioned last time that our laptop is going kaput. So that is kind of where (laughs) our money is being saved up right now for. New laptop. So yep. thank you, thank you, thank you. You can join our Patreon. There's a link in the description of this episode. All right. I would say this is another good one, but you ended on a really creepy note. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sweetie. I still have a little bit of my whiskey sour and you have your water. So we'll cheers to that. Cheers to that, mom. <laughs> cheers. Cheers, mama. Love you, kid. <laughs>